Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Today we're talking to Terika Smith. She grew up in foster care and now she is a very successful businesswoman who also dedicates a lot of her time to giving back. She published a book in 2018 called Frightened, Scared, and Alone No More. And Terika is the children's director at One Church Acadiana. She's been there for over 10 years. She also previously served on the board of directors for Boys Town, a nonprofit that believes every child deserves a future. And she also serves on the board of the Bidet Foundation, founded by Super Bowl champion Antoine Bidet. So, Terika, welcome to Fostering Change. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, I, I'm excited that you're here as well. I've been lucky enough to to um, consider you my friend, and I truly do follow you on social media, and I've always, every news article I see about you, I mean, my heart smiles because there is nobody I know who deserves all of this more than you deserve all of this. You've worked very, very hard to, to get where you're at. So what I'd love to know is I'd love to know how your story started. Oh, Rob, thank you. Um, I appreciate that so much, and I consider you a friend as well. And I follow you as well, and I love what you guys are doing at Comfort Cases. And, again, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you and Dana, so thank you, guys. So I started, um, obviously, you know, um, aging out of foster care. They actually emancipated me at the age of 16. And so I was homeless, um, I became pregnant, and I was homeless with my son up under the Claiborne Bridge in New Orleans for a short period of time. And, you know, during that time, that was like one of the worst moments of my life because I felt like everything that I was trying to avoid, everything I didn't want to become, I actually was becoming. And, you know, during the time throughout foster care, they always tell you about these statistics, and you have these numbers in the back of your head, and, you know, it's one thing to have the numbers in the back of your head, but it's another thing to see the number in front of your face whenever you're actually living as an exact statistic. And so I wanted better for my son, and I made him a promise that day up under the bridge that no matter what I have to do, he would never experience going through foster care. You know, he'll never experience homelessness. He'll never experience poverty as long as, you know, I was alive. And so from that moment, I start moving forward and stop being a victim with what has happened to me in my past. And I started to actually move towards my future and everything that I believe that the Lord had for me. And that really helped me transition from a mindset of being broken and abandoned and, you know, um, frightened to being the woman actually that I am today. So how old were you when you came into foster care? I was right at eight years old, Rob, right when my grandmother passed, because um, she was the one who was previously taking care of us. 
And when she passed, we went through a few different family members, but um, back then they had what was called social security checks, and we all got one. Well, when they stopped that, you know, for us, then they didn't no longer want us. And so we entered into the foster care system. And I say we, me and um, my two other sisters. Do you keep in touch with your other two sisters? I do. I keep in touch with one of them. Um, One of my other sisters, um, due to the amount of trauma she went through growing up, she she don't speak very much. So, um, but I do stay in touch with one of my other sisters. There's actually five of us, but um, one of my sisters passed away, and one of the other sisters um, is um, she's not able to speak at this time. So, you know. So I yeah. have to tell you, you're the first person that we've had on here um, that actually was emancipated at the age of 16. And so I, you know, as a kid who also aged out of the system, I was 18. I, I, I really, I want to go back to that, to that moment. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm trying to figure out what judge court system says that a 16-year-old um, doesn't need anyone anymore yeah so you know i didn't even know i was emancipated um until one day i showed up to my social worker my social worker's office um because i was always on runaway status like i ran away a lot like i would run away for weeks at a time from these group homes and from abusive foster homes and so it got to the point where you know they considered me um a a, um, child that was always that was always on runaway and so right before my 17th birthday, you know, um, I had hit a rough patch and I went to my social worker's office and, you know, I was telling her, you know, that, you know, um, I, I want to find a home. I want to try to do better. And I'm pregnant, you know, I'm going to be having my son shortly. And, you know, she just was like, well, Sarah, could they emancipate you out the system because she's been on runaway. We haven't heard from you in months. And I was blown away that they could just, write me off like that like I didn't have like a warrant like a um like a search party or anything like that looking for me I had nothing and so I just I was completely blown away but she did tell me that I can go to um Catholic charities and that they would be able to help me and assist me with you know additional resources and I went there and they did help me but um, I didn't even know that I didn't even know that word until I went to her for help and told her what was going on. And I didn't even now I'm an adult. I know that, you know, it's a whole lot more to it. But at that time, that's exactly what happened to me. That's just I mean, that's just unbelievable that that's what ends up happening. It's almost like the kids who need the most help and need the most support and need somebody to say, let's get you mental health counseling. Let's get you a safe place to stay. Let's get you all the things you need to get on your feet. Let's give you some resources to get an education that instead they're just like, oh, she's been running away. Well, let's just write her off and, you know, we're not even going to worry about her anymore. It's just, yeah, that's heartbreaking. And it's so hard for me as somebody who grew up not in foster care, not even really knowing anything about it, that this is what has gone on for so many people. Yeah, you know, it, oh my gosh, it, oh my, there's so many things I'm so upset about right now. First of all, th- this is what we're seeing in our country every single 
day. This is not an isolated incident. I want people to realize, people that are hearing this, I want people to hear this and understand this is happening every single day. There are over 4,600 children in the United States who are what they consider AWOL, which I find that disgusting. Um, They consider them AWOL, and no one's looking for them. They're not on billboards. They're not, you know, there's not pictures all over the place. They're not on milk cartons. These are disposable kids who they're like, you know what? I don't have to worry about them, so let's go ahead and emancipate them. And now all of a sudden you're emancipated. You're you're 16 years old, getting ready to turn 17. You're getting ready to bring a baby into the world. You, I mean, I mean up until the age of, you know, after the age of eight, you really didn't have any stability, you know, and, and, and I want to get back to this whole social security check situation, okay? Because this is the thing that I have been talking about forever. And we finally actually got, we're the only state, the state of Maryland, where we actually were able to pass a bill that children who are in the foster care system who receive social security, that there is a portion of that social security goes into an interest-bearing savings account. And so... The problem, yep, it's awesome. The problem is, is I don't see it working. Um, and I think it should not be a portion that goes in. I believe that it's every single penny should goes in. The only way we're going to do anything when it comes to this system is setting these kids up for financial success. So all of a sudden you're 17 years old, you got a new baby. Okay. Um, you know, you got Catholic charities that's, you know, doing somewhat of helping, but you, you were able to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So what happened, um, it's crazy. Um, how my life took a turn because right after I had my son, I turned around and I had my, um, my daughter. Okay. So I had two kids by the age of 19. So for me, that was, you know, that was a lot for a 19-year-old. <laughs> and then um, Hurricane Katrina hit. But before Hurricane Katrina hit and um, before I actually um, had my son, I had finished my GED courses. So I had completed my GED program. I didn't get, like, a walk across the stage or anything like that, but I was able to complete that, you know, um, and move forward. And um, you know, at by the time I was 19 years old, Rob, um, I honestly was like, okay, I really got to get it together. But then Katrina hit, and so I was like, I can't get a break now, <laughs> you know. Um, but Katrina was like the rebirth of everything that took place with me. Wow! Wow! And who was it? You said Catholic Charities helped you. So what did what did yeah. they do to help you? I mean, you're a young mom with two kids. Where were you living, and what was your what was your day to day life like, and and how did you get the support that you needed? Yeah, so they paid for me to stay in a house. Um, it's a um, housing um, facility that they have in New Orleans for um, not just foster care youth, but young teen moms and um, I guess just young individuals who's trying to you know, um, get on their feet and want to finish school and want to um, go to college and want to do things right or whatnot. Um, that that process was hard because, again, um, I was running from something. You know, um, I don't really blame the foster care system for a lot of what took place with me because I was running for some, from something I didn't realize I was running from. But for me, um, 
them placing me in a house and allowing me to be there and give me financial resources and make sure that I um, had food stamps and Medicaid and those types of benefits was like, you know, everything for me at that moment from someone who just left their social worker who told that they've been emancipated and I have no family, I have no friends, I have no one I can turn to. So them providing me with that temporary housing to get on my feet was, you know, it was huge for me at that um, at that time. But again, I didn't recognize that gift that they gave me. And so, of course, I ran again when time got hard um, and I ended up on the road selling magazines, you know, um, and then I left back off the road because um, it was just too hard having two kids. And then, you know, like I said, Katrina hit and my life kind of transitioned from there. Wow. Wow. And this is, you know, why we, we have some friends that have organizations that support kids that are trans transitioning out like foster alumni mentors and Gilead and company who we talk to often because those years when you're aging out of foster care into becoming an adult, that's when it's a make or break. I feel like for, for kids, they, they're either going to make it because they have a place to stay and they have food on the table and support or they don't. So that's why, yeah. you know, for us supporting those organizations is so important. Yeah, you know, and and I'm I keep thinking back. Here you here you are, young mother, 19, two kids. Um you, Katrina hits and everybody, I mean if you if you if you're too young to know about Katrina, you need to read about it, Katrina because to me that truly showed us, you know, how much of a how much we failed um, a, yeah. a, a demographic area. And so Katrina hits you, you know, they're still cleaning up and you've you've chosen to stay in in that that area. Mhm. Yeah. And and so I, I gotta I, I want to jump a little head because I want to talk about um, what you're doing now I mean here you are a mother of two kids how old are, how old are your kids now oh well now there's four but um the two um that I had at that time is um, one's turning 17 and the other one's turning 16 this year wow 16 and 17 and you have two more yes yes I have an eight-year-old and then a 13 year old oh my gosh. Oh my god! I know what it's like to have a. I'm I'm dad of five, so I feel it. I know what yes. it's like. I know what it's like. So 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 tell me. You know, all of a sudden you're you you have this story that has gone viral. And by the way, it did not go viral just here in the United States. I mean, I have right. I saw an article in Africa um, about this story in Germany about this story. I mean, this story has gotten big. So tell me, what, how did this all happen? Wow. So, Rob, I'm, I'm still pinching myself because you go from being this five-year-old girl who hated, you know, had so much hatred in her because of all of the abuse she went through from her mother giving her over to a drug dealer to being um, in foster care and not trusting no one and having this wall up and constantly running to being homeless and, you know, having two kids by the age of 19 to... Now, you know, um, this person who everyone is inspired by um, because of that, I would say my ex of, you know, um, persevering, you know, just continuing pushing through. And so, honestly, my heart has always been to help as many people as I possibly can to never have to go through what I've been through. And if I can do that by taking a community 
and bringing light back into that community when it's been abandoned, when it hasn't received any type of investment dollars in decades, and all of the children in that community is seeing is crime and, you know, drug activity and, and violence and all of these negative things. If I can just turn a light to that area, then I believe that, you know, I've, I've done some good in this world and I can leave a footprint somewhere. And so, honestly, I never thought any type of publicity attention or anything. A local newspaper guy read about um, an article on the locals um, showing um, the work that I was doing here in my community, and he asked to interview me. And I'm like, sure, of course, you know. Um, not thinking nothing much of it. And so, um, you know, he writes the story and it just so happened that um, Adam, his name is Adam Daigle. Adam, who originally wrote this story, has never had a story this big in his life. But it turns out that he's a foster parent. I had no clue. And so when we met, we instantly connected. And when he found out that I was in foster care, he was like, wow, do you realize that, number one, there's not a lot of African-American, there's none, there's zero African-American women in their mid-30s who's developing on the level that you're doing. Do you realize that that has come from foster care and come from a background that you have come from? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't think to research that. (laughs) Let me tell you, um, you're a doer. You're a doer. You are exactly the whole reason, you know, I've talked to Dana about this, doing this podcast, Fostering Change, the reason we started our charity, the reason we, we talk every single day about this. For people like you, you are a doer. You are someone who, again, is not blaming the system. And by the way, we have every right to blame the system. I mean, the system failed us, but you have taken all of that energy of blaming the system and saying, you know what? In my piece of the world, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. That's just crazy. So what do you hope that your next step is going to be? Okay, so right now we're developing the community Matling Cove, and one of the um, parts that's near and dear to me is to be able to provide a section of the housing for foster care youth that's going to be transitioning out of foster care to teach them lifestyle skills and to be able to partner with a true, authentic organization that truly cares about helping foster care youth um, create you know, um, real lifestyle habits that can help them along the way. And, um, you know, um, with that initiative, we have partners like Chris Patterson, you know, um, that works for the White House who um, leads the initiative in foster care um, youth um, recognition. And also, um, you know, we have the president himself and um, uh, um, a lot of the resources from the White House who's support this initiative and that's actually getting behind it. And so, honestly, I'm laying out the foundation to be able to work with an organization that is um, that's trustworthy, that's transparent, and that truly cares about doing this um, with the foster care youth that um, I believe is going to help them transition out. But that's just a part of the community. Of course, like I said, it's revitalizing the area and bringing, you know, light into dark places, you know. But again, I still have that part of me where I want to see young foster care children, um, young adults, such as myself, 
be able to succeed. And I believe um, placing them in um, a position to have home ownership and transitioning to home ownership is a huge, huge, huge resource that is needed by them at an early age. You know, when I aged out um, of eight, being 18, the farthest thing that was ever in my mind that I was ever, what I would ever be, two things that I never thought would ever happen. One, I'd be a parent, which I'm so lucky to have five beautiful children. But two, I never thought I would be a homeowner. I never thought that who would want this homeless kid who barely got a high school education. Um, and I'll never forget signing the paperwork um, when I bought my very first home. And it was such an accomplishment. And seeing that you're doing this for so many young youth who deserve it. You know, we yeah. we need to teach them life skills. We need to teach them financial literacy. We need to um, teach them their budgets and how to stay on track and, and, you know, not allow them to be the statistic that the communities in our country, and I say this all the time, your community is not your zip code, it's our human race, but for our communities not to consider immediately think that these kids deserve less because they don't, they deserve more. And I'm telling you, I, I, I'm saying this right now on this podcast. So, you know, the thousands of people that listen to this, um, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with whatever you need. I am a hundred percent on board to do whatever it is that you need to make this happen because I truly think that by you making this happen in your area, it's going to be an example for other areas that we need it. I'm thinking right now, DC, Chicago, um, you know, parts of Florida, Georgia, these places that I, West Virginia, where I am seeing increase after increase after increase of numbers of kids coming in the system aging out of the system and they have nowhere to go um you're doing an amazing thing thank you thank you rob i appreciate that and yes definitely we should get together and further discuss this and you know um every you know i hear that from so many different you know leaders within our foster care um i say organization but like you know the front runners that are leading the initiative truly they're saying that this is a need, you know, and, and honestly, now I'm, I'm ready to handle, not just handle, but take on that lead to make sure that it's not just a need anymore. It's actually happening. Well, I want to stand right next to you, sister. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I and I I think it's something that we talk about often with our different podcast guests is that there's so many people doing things in their communities and in their areas, and that the more that happens and the more connections that are made, which is one of the things we want to do with this podcast. There's power in numbers and the number of people that are actually working together, sharing ideas, and so this worked for us, this didn't work, and here's what we did, and all that. So, so I just love hearing this that that now it's happening somewhere else too. Yeah. And I truly believe that you are one of these people who it's not going to be the last time you're going to be on this podcast, by the way, because you have so much to offer and so much education to give to so many people. You know, one of the things we talk about it all the time, we really can't blame our communities because they didn't know what was happening. Um, they really think that the government's taking care of these kids at the government. And, and what we're finding out more and more, the more we keep doing these podcasts, Podcasts is Dana and I are finding so many people who come to us and say, I didn't know that. 
I didn't know that. All the time. And that's why for National Foster Care Month, the month of May, we're trying to put out facts about foster care. And we're putting those statistics out every day and trying to make tell people, okay, so these are the statistics, but this is what we can do as a community to help these kids and change these numbers. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I, like I said, this has been absolutely an honor to have you on. You know, I, I love the fact that you're connected, you know, um, with other organizations. You're sitting on boards. You're just not doing you. Um, and mm-hmm. instead, what you're doing is making a brighter future for not only your children, um, but for every child who has been experiencing what you and I have experienced. You know, I say it, um, these aren't my kids, they're not your kids, they're our kids. And if we don't do something today, the only thing that we're doing is we're actually handing them an orange jumpsuit. And because we know the statistics show that children who are in foster care, um, the next step for them besides homelessness, besides human trafficking is our prison cells. Um, and, you know, the showing the statistics where only 54% of kids graduate from high school and only 3% get a college education, um, we can do better. Listen, it, it has been such a pleasure. I, I can't wait for everyone to hear this amazing podcast. And every time we do a podcast, we always ask our guests the same exact question. So Dana, let's ask away. So Tarika, if you could change two things about the foster care system, what would they be? Number one, I would change um, the advertising um, in regards to it's a hidden network almost. Um, and then the second thing that I would change is the foster parent eligibility um, and requirements. Wow, I love that. Yeah, so what do you what do you mean by the 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 advertising that it's a hidden network? Well, because, you know, um, and no offense to no organization out there, right? But I believe the reason why things you leave like the nonprofit industry is because, one, people see the need to want to be able to help the children that is sick with cancer. The their only difference between foster care children and children with cancer is that, you know, our our abuse, our um our sickness is a little bit more um I would say self like human inflicted and our, you know, um situation inflicted. But we still need the same type of attention as children that go through the system as the children that are, you know, through the St. Jude's organization. And I would say more awareness to not just raise another dollar for a child, but to actually truly get behind, you know, changing the lives of these children who the statistics show that would eventually end up in jail or homeless or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you know, by, by the way, we've talked about this that we, we need a mat like that that everybody who works as an advocate for kids in foster care. It's almost like we all need to rally together, put our money together, and launch a yeah. massive PR campaign yeah. to bring attention yeah. to it. The way that yes, St. Jude, everybody sees. I see those ads all the time for them. I'm sure you, everybody sees them. They have massive yeah. advertising dollars that most of the 
organizations helping kids in foster care their money goes to helping the kids right like our money goes to shipping the cases it's not we're not advertising on facebook because right. we want to spend our money in, in that other way yeah but yep yeah and you're right dana we could you know we could take money and advertise on facebook and we could take money but the fact is then we're not doing our mission which is trying to get as many cases as we can out to every single child that's in the system and you know something that you said that i am so 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 Oh, so proud of you saying this. You know, kids in the system, and and again, I've lost family members to cancer. It is an awful thing. I get it. Kids having, but people have to realize children who are in foster care are there because of choices other people made. They're there because of other people made. And I am tired of this iron curtain that we can't see them. We can't talk to them. We can't, you know, we need to see them because we are visual humans. Humans are visual. The more we see, the more we want to see change. It's the reason why every time I turn the TV on, I see a puppy in a in a kennel yep. with the sad yep. eyes and somebody wants my $19. And that Sarah McLaughlin yep. song. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and another thing that we've talked about before too, when it comes to kids in the system is that I, there totally has to be privacy for them, but also that there's no, um, I feel like um, we're disconnected from them, like in a school community. Why can't we know that there's a child that's in foster care in um, in my son's class? So if they're there, that we can do something to help that child, you know, so that we can, as a community, help support that child and help support the family. And I feel like it's such a secret that yeah. nobody really knows about these kids. Well, you know, the, yeah. the statistics just came out, you know, 61% of kids are taken because of neglect. Could you imagine that if we truly were a community that should have been a, the, the community the way it was built, that we would have been able to help some of these families before these children were taken away? You know, yeah. because a lot of it is just a circle. You know, mom was in the system, grandma was in the system, you know, and again, I'm not saying that every single child needs to be with their birth parents. You had a you had a hell of a life. I had a hell of a life. But you know what? I think there's a lot of kids that are are in the system because their parents had nobody to support them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We well listen. You are the best. I'm so, so excited. I can't wait for everybody to hear this podcast. And please, let's make sure that, you know, we keep in touch, that we um, continue this, this, you know, conversation. And one of the things Dana and I are going to be working on, and we, we have no idea when it's going to happen. Hopefully, it'll be in the fall. But we really do want to do a roundtable of some real movers of our system. Really have a deep down dive. It'll probably be a two or three part series of our, our podcast. But we really think that we could do a deep dive and even bring more light Take that iron curtain down. Um, I know Dana's working on some really special things to happen this month, so you'll definitely be getting an email and reference to that. And listen, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a good human. Dana, where can they listen to this at? Oh, so everybody can hear our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, subscribe on iHeartRadio and Deezer and Stitcher and Spotify, and then all the information about Terika. If you haven't seen or heard or read her viral story, that will be um, at um, comfortcases.org slash podcast under episode 39. 
So thank you so much, Terika. It's been great talking to you. Bye, Terika. Be safe, and we will talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at ComfortCases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.